Thanks for joining us for the Sermon of the Week. You can find out more information about Legacy Church online at LegacyFamily.tv. Today we're talking about seven fundamental principles for spiritual growth. Did you know that you are a spirit housed in a body and you have a soul that sits in the seat of your mind? You have a, you're a solical man, but you are a spirit and your spirit is what contacts God. And so these are seven things that will help you grow spiritually. Anybody got, oh, they don't, well, they got to hustle them down, see if there's any more in there. They all went with the junior high, didn't they? It was a joke. It's okay to laugh in church. Amen, amen. I guess we out. Glory be. Well, look on, take notes, put them on your phone. I know most of you got smartphone, and uh, we're going to dig in. Y'all ready? Got quiet in here. So number one, let's learn to forget. Forget what? Forget the past. Forget the old man, the old ways. Learn to forget who you were and take on, the Bible says, put on the new man, the new man, the new things. Put on God. Put on God. It's not about works. It's put on the spiritual man. Put on the Philippians 3. Uh, 13 through 14, and it reads, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. This is Paul writing, and he's writing by the Spirit of God. He said, I have not apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. I mean, you know, Paul was a murderer, murdered Christians, but he said, I'm forgetting those things that are behind and, and, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. The things that are in God, I press towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Hey, that's what we all want to do is we want to press towards the upward call in Christ Jesus. Amen? So we got to fit, forget the past. How many of you know people are dragging their past behind them? You know, the old man. You know, you ever heard somebody say, well, I tell you what, you need to thank God I, I, I'm saved uh, because, you know, I used to. I'd knock you out. Well, they didn't even say that. They're still dragging the old man behind. You know what I'm saying? And you see somebody, uh, how they act, it's because they're still dragging things behind them. And, man, there, there are things some people say, and it just sets it off in them. That's the old man. It's not the new man. So, so we need to learn to forget. Uh, Isaiah 43, 25. Isaiah 43, this is God talking. God said, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. He doesn't remember. Hebrews 8, 12 says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. You know what I put down? Maybe you need to write it down. If God forgets, why are we trying to remember it? You know, that's what, it's funny, but it was the, I used to tell the youth, don't kiss somebody ugly because you'll never forget it. The, the, the reason that is is because it's, it goes into your solical man, your memory. I mean, two plus two is four. Two times two is four. Two times three is six. Two times seven is, anybody, two times seven? Some of y'all had to go back to school, don't we? That's in your solical man. That's in your memory. But guess what? You can put the word up here, but you also put it in here, in your heart, in your spirit, and it'll come out of you. And so we're looking at the things of God and learning to forget 
So we have to forget our sins, and we have to forget those who sin against us. Okay? Hebrews 4.16, and, and the Holy Spirit just stirred me on this one. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. If you're having trouble, go to God. Go to God. Look in, the, in 1 John 2.1, and this is in the Passion Translation. It's a little bit different, but it says, You are my dear children, and I write these things to you so you, that you won't sin. But if anyone does sin, we continually have a forgiving Redeemer who is face-to-face with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Now, God set this up, and this is awesome. So let me just, just get this picture. The Father sent Jesus to the earth to live as a man, left his deity in heaven and walked the earth just like we do. Got his feet got dirty. He got tired because, you know, he slept. He had to eat. He had to deal with crazies. He had to deal with uh, politics. He had to deal with things. But he walked through this earth, rejected, despised of men for us. Went to a cross and died on the cross so our sins, our unrighteousness, not being good enough to, to stand before the Father, we can stand before God because of the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the world. So Jesus arose after the third day, come out of the tomb. He's still alive. He appeared to his disciples and 500 people. You know, if I told six of you a secret, I doubt if we, and any of us could keep it. But it was no secret. He revealed himself to his disciples and to 500 people. And none of them denied it. Most of them died for it. What'd you say? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't remember what I said. What'd you do? I, I, I don't know what I did. But they knew what Jesus did, and they knew who he was, and they knew it was real, and they died for it. Come on, give me a while. So it's real. Then Jesus ascended up to heaven, and so here's God's throne, and Jesus is seated on the right hand of God's throne, making intercession for you. He's talking to God about you. Everybody say your name. What's your name? Say it. Jesus is calling out your name before the Father. Isn't that good? He makes intercession for us, and we can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and ask for forgiveness and cleansing. Okay? <laughs> Number two, learn to forgive. Learn to forgive. We have to forgive ourselves, but, and we have to forgive others. I've already mentioned this just for a second, but this is such a key. Forgiveness. If you want forgiveness, you have to forgive too. The Bible says if you don't love your brother whom you see, you can't love God whom you have not seen. Because out of your, out of your spirit, man, comes the love of God. But how many know you can stifle it? Put it down. God's not one who takes control. Oh, God's on me. No, he doesn't. we're not robots. We walk with our personality, and God uses us. But if your personality is not lining up with the Word, then you have to change your personality. Okay, well, let me get back up here. I don't want to step on nobody. 
Ephesians 4, 22, or 32 says, Forgive as God has forgiven you. Be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ has forgave you. Let's look at that again. Be kind. Just let's sit there. Smile at somebody. Be kind to them right now. Just look at somebody and smile. Be kind to them. Tap them on the shoulder. Tell, and be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave us. Huh. Anybody ever heard the, uh, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily. You know, what's the Lord's prayer, isn't it? I've heard that. But look at Matthew 6, 14. It says, if you don't forgive, that's right at the end of it. If you don't, uh, if you don't forgive, you can't be forgiven. Strong. Number two is just as strong as number one. How, how many ever heard that says, love your neighbor as yourself? You ever heard that one? That's a commandment, one of the big ten. So I've got to love my neighbor, my neighbor, my neighbor, and I have to love myself. If I don't love myself, I have a difficult time loving my neighbor. If I'm not happy with me, how can I be happy with you? If I'm not happy with me, how can I be happy with you? We have to love one another, and we have to love ourselves, just like we have to forgive ourselves. That's the hardest part. We can believe God can forgive, but we can't forgive ourselves. Stupid, 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 and we go pull out Forrest Gump. Stupid is as stupid does. No, forgive yourself. Let it go. Sing, sing the other show, whatever it is. Let it go. Let, let the, the things of the devil go. Amen? So we have to be in forgiveness. Matthew 18, 21 and 22. Oh, boy. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall I, my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. That seems reasonable. You know, seven times in one day. Last time I did this, I beat up on Peter. I just kept hitting him and hitting him and hitting him. And look, at look, and, and Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Jeff, what's 70 times seven? 490. You know what that really means? Walk in forgiveness. Totally and completely. Totally and completely. Walk in forgiveness. Smile. Forgive. It's quiet in here because you're thinking about somebody that you're dealing with or something? Let it go. Let them go. Let them go in the name of Jesus. Just let them go. When you learn the law of forgiveness, you'll grow. When you learn the law of forgiveness, you'll grow. Come on. You need to grow, and this is how you, for, you do it, by forgiving. Number three. We'll hang out here a little bit. Learn to pray. Pray. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you questions. Y'all wrote it down. Learn to pray. If you ever heard of somebody say, let's go to the Lord in prayer, go to. And so the, the Holy Spirit was stirring me up. Where would you go to get uh, ice cream uh, in a cone? Anybody? Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen. McDonald's, 
Sonic, that's where you go to get that ice cream in a cone. If you want it in a box, where do you go to? Walmart, food line, some grocery store, you go to them. If you need some meat, you got to go somewhere where they're selling some meat or you got to go kill the fatted calf. I can skin it for you, but I want a part of it. (laughs) But the part it is that we got to go to God with our needs. That's what prayer is. Go to the one who can help us. Let's go to him. Have you been going to him or you just been handling it on your own? Come on, let's go to him. Look, look, look what it says. Uh, Here's the key. Every Christian in here, every Christian in here, you have called on the name of the Lord and he answered. May not have done it recently, but he has answered. Let's just talk about this. The word of God in your mouth will change you. And so you need to be praying the word of God. You were designed to hear and respond to God's voice. Well, what do you mean? So let's talk about it. And we're going to, to, uh, we'll talk about this one too. But here's here's the thing. You, how many of you remember when you got saved? And if you can't remember when you got saved, today's the day to get saved. So you can remember where you was at. And you, listen, salvation came by faith. You heard the word, the preacher said, just what I said earlier, that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose again the third day. If you believe that, you say it with your mouth. That's Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you want to know a scripture reference, you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. Too many people are confessing, I'm no good. I'm not good enough. God can never forgive me. That's baloney. There have been mass murders forgiven by God and preached. They were laying on the table and they were injecting them And they were preaching the gospel. They said, all right, hold up, dude. You've been going an hour and a half now. He said, I just want everything on record that God's my salvation, that I've asked everybody to forgive me. How does that transpire? It becomes because when you hear the word, the Holy Spirit is activated in your life. He brings faith for you to accept Jesus as Savior, as Lord. Amen? Nod your head even if you don't understand it. The Holy Spirit's your helper. You're not alone. How many of you know is these junior hires left out of here? How many of you know, especially them, they're, they, they just feel alone. They don't like their hair. They don't like their name. Nobody likes them. They hate their clothes. And, and, and even the, what was their favorite food when they were in the fourth grade? It, I hate that now, Mama. Huh? Because they're learning. They're full of hormones. Listen to me. The Spirit of God will quicken you even in your flesh, even in your worst times. The Word of God. That's why we study the Word. We pray the word because we know and can have confidence in who God is. I always use a reference, you know, when you, if you live, live with your wife or you're dating, you should know your spouse. What do they like? What do they like? Well, if I'm going to get her an ice cream cone, it's going to be a dip cone. Or a uh, uh, Sonic Sunday with strawberries, Cool Whip, and add pecans. Huh? How do I know that? I know her. I know her. I know what she says. I know her thoughts. How do I know God? Right here. But not only there, but the Spirit of God will quicken me. Even things that I have not seen in here, when I find them, I go, I already knew that. How did I know that? The Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit's always speaking to us. And this is how we know God, and this is how we know what to pray. The problem is we have to study it till the Holy Spirit will quicken it in us. Because you know what? I came against cancer. Cancer's a big devil. <laughs> how many of you know the IRS can be a big devil? Huh? Yeah. The pressures of life come on all of us. That's why we added another class. Junior hires have pressure, the pressures of life. Does she like, do you, you like me check? And if she don't check yes, it's over. Don't look at me like you've never been there. It's not over. There's a future and a hope in God for you. And so as we look at this, learn how to pray. In John 15, 7, it says, you abide in me and my words abide in you, and you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. The Word will give you desires. You'll find something in the Word. You go, oh, I can stand on that. That's for me. That's for me. That's for me. How many of you are standing on wedding vows? Yes, you are. It's the same difference. It's the same thing. You stand on those vows, we're married, we're married, we're married. We're committed, committed, committed. How many of you know that when you commit to the Word, God commits to you? Matter of fact, He's waiting on you. Ooh, look at that, look at that, look at that. I was telling somebody this week that I can remember the place where I was studying that and it just went off in me. Oh, the Holy Spirit said, that's for you. And I said, I'll take that, Matthew 8, 17. I can take you to the house. Not the table, it's gone. But I can take you to the house where that went off in me. There ought to be some things going off in you today. You know how many people come to church and, is it over? They don't get anything. Well, you ought to be receiving not just my words, but the Word of God and what the Holy Spirit's saying. So, so in John 16, uh, 23 and 24, look what John's saying here. In that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Look in verse 24. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Why do we ask in the name of Jesus? Because he's our Savior. He's our mediator. We read it in Hebrews. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Okay. Are you ready? Listen to me. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they began to hide. Are you hiding? They began to hide. We read it one more time. Get Hebrews 4, 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly, boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When you accepted Jesus Christ, God gave you permission to stand face to face with Him. What? You know, I, I'm no good, Pastor. You know, I, I, I then get forgiveness in the blood of Jesus today and stand up like a man of God or the woman of God that you're called to be. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Adam and Eve ran and hid. 
and the Lord fellowshiped with them every day. And they were hiding. He said, he knew where they were at. You think you can hide from God? Well, I got this, you know, this little secret that nobody knows but me. God knows. He knows the thought and the intent of the heart. And he said, where are y'all? Well, we're hiding because we're naked. Who told you he was naked? But because of the blood of Jesus, we can, listen, the Bible talks about that men, men, you are the bride of Christ. And women, but men don't want to think about themselves being a bride. Let's God, we men. But listen, if a bride can stand up next to a groom and look them face to face and say vows to one another, we being the body of Christ can come before Jesus, stand face to face and ask for forgiveness, ask for help, ask for healing, ask for anything we want. So tear down the lies the devil's been telling you that you're not good enough. You are good enough. You're good enough because Jesus paid the price for you to be good enough. If you got a gift card, somebody paid for that. Jesus gave you a gift card. And here's what you go and get that gift card. It's called the promises of God. And they're yes and amen to us. I'm just seeing if I need to let that go or if we can need to go on. So how many of you want to stand up? It's not that you're cocky because, listen, the voice of God is always speaking to us. And you know what? If he wanted to, but he does not want to, he could use his word and annihilate you. Poof, you'd be dust. But God's not in that business. God wants you to come boldly and stand on his word. How many of you have children that are nieces or nephews and you see them? They learn how to walk. And maybe you help them learn how to walk. And they stumble and bumble around, and you're so excited. Look, get the camera out. Let's film it. Oh, they're walking, and they're staggering like a drunk man, but at least they're up, you know, and they're, they're going all around, and you're trying to film it. Why? God does the same thing with you. Look at them. They're trying to stand on. Oh, they're getting it. They're getting my word. My word is becoming alive in them. They're coming to me boldly. They're excited about the things that I have put out for them. This is the mystery that we sang about. That God would give man his word. That he would speak to us by his spirit. That we don't have to be alone in this. In this. Listen, this life is the hardest you're going to have it, Christian. Yes. Woo! This life is the hardest you're going to have it. But the promises are not for the future. The promises are for now. To bow up, and, and you know what the work is? The work is enter into the rest of God, enter into what Jesus has done for us. That's that living from God and not for God. To be in Christ, not trying to, to serve Christ, but be in Christ. Number four is learn to believe. F-A-I-T-H. Learn to believe his word. We already been talking about that already. But there are examples. There's examples in the Bible about people who believe God. See, the word imparts to us faith. Romans 12 and verse 3 says, God has given to each man the measure of faith. God has given you faith, Christian. Say, I have faith. I can believe God for anything. 
So, so, so as, uh, the way I minister is I believe that we ought to take the word and apply it, that just where the rubber meets the road, that, that we not just, it's just not God's out there and he's on his throne and one day we'll know. You can know him right now. And you can walk with him right now. And his spirit lives on the inside of you. And everybody that he helped in the Bible, he wants to help you the same way. Hey, all these stories in the Bible, I think I'm going to do a series on Sunday school stories. How they, David killed Goliath by faith, folks. He believed God. And it's when you start getting in the Bible and studying the Bible, not, not just to to, to, to argue with it or, or to, to, to get, but to study the Bible, to live it. Oh, you see, there's something about that, that when Jesus said something, it changed lives. Like, come follow me. Them boys left their business. Peter, James, and John dropped everything. That, that, wait a minute. Give me a minute and set this business up so we can see how some income coming in. They left everything. To follow him. What is that? Faith. The words of Jesus were imparted. I'm off script. Let's just go with it. How about they're in a boat? The winds are blowing all over the place, and there comes Jesus walking on the water. What is that about? And the winds are so bad, I mean, he ain't walking on the water. He's probably walking on air because you can't step. You are stepping from one wave to the next. And they look and said, it's a spirit. It's a ghost. There's no such thing as ghosts. Let's just go there. It's demons, okay? Uncle Fred is not a ghost. He went to heaven or he went to hell. Okay, Aunt Sally isn't coming back either. That's, no, that's not real. I love them, but they in heaven or they in hell. All that is demonic stuff you see on TV. I'm just laying it out there. That's the fact. But they saw, look at that, there's a spirit out there. And they go, what is it? And the spirit speaks to them. But it was a man, and his name was Jesus, and he said, it's me. That went off in Peter. Because in the natural, the impossible rose up on the inside of him, just hearing and seeing Jesus, what he did and what he said. And Jesus said, it's me. And it went off in Peter. He's sitting in this boat, bouncing up and down. I've been in boats bouncing up and down with waves. And Jesus, and he said, Jesus, that's you. Bid me come to you. Make me like you. Well, that's the stupidest thing anybody would say. Not when it's Jesus' words. It becomes mission impossible. Dun, 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 dun. Becomes possible. It becomes possible with God. What's impossible with man becomes possible with God. And Peter and, and Jesus said, come on, be like me. He gets out of the boat and starts walking on the water. The impossible became possible with faith. Hearing the words of God, believing the words of God, and acting on the words of God. Woo. The disciples saw it. They sat in a boat like, now Jesus, you know, Peter did begin to sink because he took his eyes off Jesus. How many of you step out, and if you take your eyes off Jesus, you, 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 you're going to sink, and you wonder, well, I guess it wasn't God's will. It was God's will. He took his eyes off of him and quit believing that he could do the, the impossible 
That's heavy, isn't it? That's even off script, too. Come on. We need to learn to believe. You have faith. Mark eleven twenty two through 24 says it this way. Have the God kind of faith or have faith in God. Same thing. Verse 23, if you have the God kind of faith, surely I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, what mountain, what mountain, what mountain? Cancer, divorce, broken heart, mistreated life, drugs, be removed and be cast into the sea. And does not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he says that will be done to him, and he will have whatsoever he says. See, see, the mountain could be doubt. I don't think God wants to save me. I don't think I'm good enough to get saved. God, you don't know what I've done, Pastor Brett. It don't matter what you've done. Paul, Paul killed Christians, put them in prison, and God saved him, made him an apostle. There is hope for you. Verse 24. Therefore, I say to whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, we, we may dive into faith in the next few Sundays even deeper. But right now, look what it's saying, believing that you receive them before you have them. Now, most people say, well, I can't lie like that. You got to know that you know that, you know what, God's going to answer that. I don't care what I feel. See, the Word of God's a higher truth than the truth that we walk in day to day. That's why we go back. People don't say, well, you know, truth's whatever you want to make of it. Truth's just whatever you think, whatever you believe. No, the truth's the Word of God. God created all this. That's the truth. And He knows how, he knows how you're supposed to operate in it. Go get the plans. Go to. Back to prayer again. How many of y'all, men like me, you just get a box of stuff and forget the instructions. We're just going to look at the picture and wing it. I don't know where these screws went, but hey, it's together and it's working. Here's our instruction book. And the Holy Spirit whispering to us, you got this. I got this with you. I'm your helper. I'm with you. I'm with you. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, how is Jesus with us always? By his Spirit. With you always. So as we look at faith, Abraham's the father of faith. Abraham was the first one to trust and believe God totally and completely. God said, come out from that, from the land of Ur of the Chaldees and take off and, and live in a tent. Now, we get all these pictures in our head. What, what, did, what did the land of Ur look like? What did Chal the Chaldeans look like? Do you know they had running water? They had water piping in that city. We think about that, you know. So he left a city to go live in a tent, but God was leading him. And he stepped out, and, 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 and he became great, but he had no children. So God began teaching him about faith. Believe me, believe me. And God came and talked to him. Angels came and talked to him. Jesus sat down with him. How do you know that, Pastor Brett? Well, it says it looked like some of these angels look like the Son of God. They, you know, God's, even angels, they don't speak anything but the Word of God. Okay. And so if an angel comes and appears to you and says, this day thou shalt surely die, no, that's not God. Because God said you'll live and declare the works of the Lord. That's He's for you living, not dying. Oh, He does receive His saints, and precious are the death of His saints, but He wants you to live. He wants you to live a long time. That's a promise. Fight for it. So, so let, let's, let's go to Romans 4, 17 through 21 real quick. F-A-I-T-H, faith, faith, faith. What do you have faith for? It's written, I've made you the father of many nations. 
in the presence of whom he believed. So God told Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Every country in the Middle East are Abraham's children. In case you didn't know that. In his presence of him who he believed, Abraham, just like Peter, heard Jesus' voice, and it went off in him, whoo, I can walk on the water. Abraham heard God's voice, and it went off in him, I'm going to be a father of many nations. But wait a minute. He's 99, and his wife's 90. Don't remember James Payne, that just hit me. Pastor Brett, I won't testify. Oh, let me testify. I made it. You know, I'm going to have a kid. Like, golly. And he's 90 when he finally took him 20 years for his faith to grow. Long suffering. But he's the first. We can learn and be a whole lot quicker than that. Who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. He said, Abraham, you're going to be a father. You're going to be a father. You know how he taught him? He took him out, and he said, look at the stars. You get on these mountains in a clear night, and you cannot count the stars. And God said, count the stars. He's like, only you know. So then he took him out in the sand. Count the grains of sand. Huh? Count the grains of sand. That's how many children you're going to have. Now he's starting to see them. Every star he sees as a child as a grandchild, as a great-grandchild. And the Bible even says, I'm a child of Abraham. I can be like him. Every grain of sand he saw as a child, a great-grandchild, or even, as the Bible says, one born out of time. That'd be us, a one that we're not in the family, but we've been adopted into the family. Amen, amen. And so verse, verse 18 it says, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. Like, man, that's impossible. You ever had somebody tell you that's impossible? But, you know, with God, nothing's impossible. So that he could become the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Next verse. And being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Well, I told you a secret. It took him 20 years. But one day his faith exploded. And here he goes. He was already dead, but he was 100 years old, about 100, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He became alive. I, I, and you know what? Sarah, like, she didn't believe. She's laughing, you stupid old man. Ha, ha, ha. And the Lord heard her. And she had to change. She had to believe as well. Get in agreement with your wife. Get in agreement with your husband. Get in agreement. There's power in agreement between a husband and wife. Verse 20. And he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Verse 21, and being fully convinced, that is faith, when you're fully convinced that what God has promised, he is able to perform. I can't heal anybody, but God's word is full of healing for everybody. All I'm supposed to do as a believer is to lay hands on them, pray for them, and believe God. That's all we have to do. I, I, we don't have to, we have to be convinced that God can do what he promised. God can do anything. And he wants to do what he's promised. We have to believe him. The Bible says Jesus could do no mighty works in his own hometown. He's working miracles everywhere, but they were too familiar with him. 
Is not this Joseph's son? This is just Joseph's son. Who are you to come up here and tell me about God? I know I was raised with you. You're not a miracle worker. you Joseph's oldest punk kid. And I know the secret, too, because I don't know if your mom and dad is married. We did the math. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you did the math on your own birthday. Doesn't matter. You belong to God. You belong to God. Just break that off of you in Jesus' name. So God, we got to get convinced. That's what faith is, that we're convinced that what God has promised, He's able to do it. All we have to do is be convinced. That makes it easy. Well, I'd love to say it's just super easy, but no, you got doubt and unbelief you got to wrestle with. So we need to believe. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. Look it up. When he speaks, the spirit of God is activated in your life. Let's go to the next one. Learn to worship. Number five. We got to be worshipers. God's got to be first, 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 first. John 4, 23 and 24, Jesus said that we would be worshipers. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth and the Father seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So it's time to get in the spirit. Worship's not a place. Now, we do worship here, and we do get in the spirit here. But worship's not a place. Worship's on the inside of you. See, when you bring worship with you on Sunday, it gets even better. Or as the little boy, 12-year-old boy said, it gets gooder and gooder. Don't throw nothing at me, wife, English teacher. It gets better and better when you come worshiping God before you ever enter the building. Matter of fact, you, you need to be worshiping God on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. On, I was worshiping last Thursday, and Cody said, I hadn't heard that one. I said, that's before you was born. But I still remember. I have a song in my heart all the time. I have God in my heart. Help me, Lord. You're my strength. You're my shield. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. And I thank you and I praise you and I magnify you. It ought to be continually coming out of our mouth, worshiping God. It's not a place. It's on the inside of you. Why? How can we do that? 1 Corinthians 3.16. I'm just quoting, know you not, you're the temple of God. Did you know that you're the temple of God? Do you not know that you're the temple of God and that spirit and that the spirit of God dwells in you? You know, let's just go back just for a second. God's speaking to us. How many of y'all ever struggled to hear God? You're trying to get every physical aspect to hear, I want to hear God, and, and we want God to slap us. Oh, that's the Lord. He doesn't do that. How many of you know if you just believe God, ask God, You'll start driving down the road, and it'll just come to you. Why? Because you're not stressing out over it. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. It starts raining, and the windshield wipers talk to you. 
Don't know what you're going to do. Don't know what you're going to do. Don't know what you're going to do. And you can't hear God because you're listening to the windshield wipers telling you, I don't know what you're going to do. But God said that he would speak to us and we can hear his voice. And guess what? Worship will bring the presence of God to settle you down and you can hear the voice of God. I used to travel a good bit with my job that I had, and I, I told this story before, but I, I'd been worshiping. It was about an hour's drive, and I had to pick up this other employee, and we were going to go and work on some customer's equipment, and I'm taking him there, and, and I've been worshiping. Man, I had worship music on, and, and man, the, the presence of God was all over me, and this dude was standing outside. He's smoking a cigarette waiting on me, you know, and uh, he hadn't been in church in years, and, and so he finished cigarette, and I said, hop in, man, let's go. And he gets in the car. I, I don't have the worship music going. It's just me and him. And he looks at me and said, man, I need to get back in church. I used to teach Sunday school. I need to get back in church. And I'm going, yeah. I, I didn't say anything. But the Spirit of God got on him because he was with me. He was already comforting me. He was already talking to me because I was worshiping, and it got on him. You're a carrier of the presence of God. You're a carrier of the life of God. And when you worship, it enhances the life of God on the inside of you. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. On purpose, on purpose, when you're feeling down and out and depressed, you got to go worship. You better separate yourself and go get filled up and go worship God. You know, I got up this, or way early this, this week, and my wife said, you're not ready? You've been down there. I said, I've been worshiping. I've been worshiping. I don't even know what time it is. I'm worshiping, you know, and I got crazy hair. Y'all think I ain't got much, but what it is, what it is it's crazy. And, and my grandson's like, ha, ha, you got to fix that. But here, I got to get ready. I got to get ready. But I don't care. I'm going to worship God. You got to worship God. I said, well, I don't have anything on my agenda. Maybe you got stuff on my agenda. Huh? We got to worship God. Learn to worship him. In 1 Corinthians 14, I'm not going to read that right now, but 1 Corinthians 14 talks about singing on purpose in English and talks about singing in the Spirit. Singing in the Spirit. You need to learn to get in the Spirit and worship. Just let the love of God just come all over you. See, see, Christianity is a lifestyle. We can have experiences with God. That's how we know it's real. It's not works. Not by your strength, your might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's by the spirit of God. And we need greater, the greater, the greater one, which is the Holy Spirit, to stir up in us. Amen? Let's go to the last one. Or next to the last one. Learn to give. Learn to give. What? If God so loved the world that he gave, we ought to be givers too. If God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, we need to be givers too. Listen to this. Maybe you want to write this down. There are 500 verses on prayer. 500 verses on prayer. How about 500 verses on faith? Seems to be pretty important. 
There are 2,000 verses on money and possessions. What is that about? 2,000 verses on money and possessions. God's trying to tell us something. Money is a test that reveals your priorities and affections. Did you know people can replace God with money? Huh? They can replace God with money. If I just had a million dollars, I mean, you ever said somebody say that? Most people that say that, it'd be gone in a year. Because you try to buy to bring peace. You try to buy to bring joy. You try to fill the void what, that God wants to fill. Money does not satisfy. Matter of fact, it's a horrible God. Luke 12, 34 says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. That's why the importance of giving. And so there are two extremes in giving, and the church needs balance. First, some, some give because they think it's a duty or an obligation. Well, it is, but it's a heart thing. We don't give necessarily it's because it's a duty or ob obligation. We give to honor God because the Bible teaches that everything we have comes from God that we should be a steward of it. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. And money can be a good thing. It's just a tool. If I run over your foot with my truck, it does not, it's not a good thing. My truck's good. Either you put your foot in the way or I wasn't paying attention. Huh? Money is the same way. It can be good or it can be evil. We were talking about there was... Uh, uh, in a city we came from, big city, and they took $20 bills from five pastors and $20 bills from uh, all the heads of the, uh, the mayor and the vice mayor and the city manager, and they, every one of them had cocaine on them. That's what they, 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 20 bucks for cocaine, and it's on their hands. They have people snorting with it and everything else, all those $20 bills. None of those people, well, I hope none of those people snorted cocaine. But it's what you do with your money. How does it represent your life? How, how do you, see, you spend at least eight hours a day or 40 hours a week, and you come to church two hours. Money represents your life. That's why God said, be a steward. Show me. I've given you that. And so it's a return. We give to honor God, to adore Him. It's worship. Luke 6.38 says, Give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. You can expect a return with God. You can't outgive Him. The second thing is people, uh, we don't give selfishly. Not just for a return, even though the Word says we can have a return. There's two ways to look at that selfishly. I'm not giving anything. That's selfishly. We give so God can partner with us. It belongs to him anyway. You remember the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and he said, be my disciple? And he said, or what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? But Jesus wanted him to follow him if you read the whole story. And he said, sell everything you have and come on, let's do kingdom business together. Let's do kingdom business together. And the man went away sad because he had a lot of wealth and he trusted in it can't trust in money. We've got to trust in God. 
And as long as you as you put in God first, God will give you wealth because He can trust you with it. See the see the difference. I'm not. You're not working for money. You're working for the kingdom of God. What is? It's a heart thing. It's like I've worked some low end jobs, but I did it unto the Lord, and God blessed me. That's that's the heart thing. You do everything unto God. You give unto God. You you it's it, you want to you help somebody. The Bible says if you give somebody a cup of water in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. But you're not supposed to be looking for the reward. You're looking to bless somebody. Hey, the prophet's coming to town. Or you go and, and you go to Africa and you're going to go on a missions trip, you're helping an apostle. You're passing out water. You know, they got these straws that they can drink through for 20 years and they can have fresh water. Some of those places are nasty water. That's why people are dying. Man, that's a, that's a blessing. And they got to have somebody to carry them, somebody to pass them out. Yeah, you know, that's what I got on right here. Are you a sender or are you a laborer? Are you a sender? Are you a laborer? God will give you money to send people. But God will send you if you're a laborer. Load it up. Let's go. But you know what? You can be both. See, money's for the kingdom of God. It takes money to buy those water. It takes money to drill a well in Africa. It takes money to feed people. It takes money. Are you believing God to send somebody? Or are you believing God that somebody will send you? You've all been sent to Withville. All of us. With County, we've all been sent to Southwest Virginia. And God may send us other places. Miss Susan, will you come share for a second? You can come up here if you want. Thanks, Pastor. Um, I know we had a, a few Sundays ago, people came and, and talked about some things that God had done for them, and I, I was actually out of town on a business meeting, and but I had shared with Pastor at the end of last year a testimony um, and I, and I wanted to share it with you all because I felt like maybe it would um, help somebody or um, and certainly just give glory to God for the things that he's done for us. Um, God has done so many good things uh, for our family um, in, in a financial realm. He has, um, and I think most of you all know, I, I have a business, actually have three um, businesses right now, and God has really blessed us with those businesses. But a few years ago, and, you know, sometimes when you are in business, you uh, go into debt. And so we had gone into debt uh, to buy some businesses and to build some buildings. And it was a lot of debt. It was um, not quite, almost $2 million in debt. And we were making payments. Um, we weren't, you know, it wasn't like we were behind on anything. But every year I would look at the debt and those of you who are in debt, and I'm sure a lot of other people in here are like me, um, at the end of the year, you get a statement, and you see how much interest you get to pay the bank on that debt. And it would hurt my heart, because every year I would look at it, and I would see early on, when we borrowed the uh, money, um, more than $100,000 a year was going just towards interest. And I just thought, God, that's not right. Um, I didn't feel, I mean, I didn't feel like I had done anything wrong. I felt like the, the business, God had given us, you know, the, the grace to grow the businesses and things like that. I didn't feel like the debt was a sin, but I knew that it wasn't God's best for us. 
Um, and I knew that he wanted us out of debt. And I can remember um, listening to, a, I can't remember if it was Jerry Savelle maybe, he talked about sowing a seed for uh, debt cancellation. I'm sure we've all heard things like that before. And I can remember praying about it and thinking, you know what, I need to do that. I need to sow a seed for debt cancellation, and I need to name my seed, you know. And so it was about, I guess about a little over two years ago. And the, the debt, our, our total debt at that time, of course we had been paying on it, was right at about $1.7 million. You know, when you're in a lot of debt, it takes a long time for it to come down. Um, and so one day I was out, and I'll share this with you. Um, I had bought a few years ago, I had bought a vehicle. And people who know me really well know how much I love to drive. And I'm sometimes a little faster than I should. I know state troopers are in here. I've, I've calmed down a lot now that I have a teenage daughter that drives. I will say that. I obey the speed limit. But anyway, I had this vehicle. I loved, I mean, if you can love an inanimate object, I loved this car. It was a BMW with an M-Series racing motor. I mean, it was my baby. <laughs> I loved that vehicle. Um, and I wouldn't even drive it year-round. I mean, it was the thing. You just take it out every now and then. Um, and so one day I was with somebody that I really honestly didn't know all that well. I, I would say we were really more acquaintances at the time than friends. And she and I were talking, and in passing, she said something about, oh, yeah, God, I love your car. And I was like, yeah, me too. Uh, you know. And on the way home, I just felt like God dropped in my heart, give your car to her. I was like, what? I mean, God, of all the crazy things I've ever heard of, that could not be the Lord. Um, and I didn't say anything about it. Um, and like the next day or two, the thought just kept coming to my mind. And I was like, God, surely you're not asking me for my car. <laughs> I love that car. Um, and so I talked to Scott about it. Um, I said, I just really feel like I'm being called to do this. And he said, are you sure? Because he knew how much I loved the car. Um, and I said, yeah, I really feel like I'm being called to sow this into somebody else's life. And um, I can remember then going out and looking at the car objectively. Like, what would I do if I were going to get rid of the car right now? It had, because it was a little small car, it had a cup holder that um, would retract and it wasn't working real well. I knew I needed to replace that. So I thought, God, if I'm going to sow a seed, I'm going to make it the best seed that I can. So I went to the body shop, and I said, I need you to order a new cup holder for it. There was a little place where the weather stripping had cracked. I said, I just want it fixed up as best it can be. I'm going to pay to fix it up. If I'm going to give it to somebody, it's going to be the best. Um, and so while we were waiting on that stuff to come in, I thought, oh, good, it'll take like a month for it to come in. I can drive the car for another month. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, that's how we are. Um, and so I got in the car one day to drive it to work, and all at once this dropped on the inside of me. Would you drive somebody else's car? If No, because we had another vehicle. We had an SUV. And I felt, I literally felt that day like I was driving somebody else's car. And I had this thought. God forbid, what happened if somebody, like, bumps into it? Or, and from that day forward, even though I knew it was going to take, like, a month to get the stuff in at the body shop, I just parked the car. I said, it's not my car anymore. And I think, honestly, that was probably the day in my heart that I really released it as a seed. And I said, this is not mine. So long story short, I got the car fixed up. I took it, and I um, gave it to this person. And she started crying, and she said to me, she said, um, she's a Christian, and she said, I've always seen God do things for other people, 
I never felt like I mattered to him. She said, I never felt like I mattered to him. I could never see him doing anything for me. And she said, you're not going to believe this, but she said, I had cut out a picture of this car, this color, and I had put it up and said, I, w- I would want something like this, but I could never have it. And I said, you know, I think God is trying to show you how much he loves you. And he was trying to show me that I needed to learn, first and foremost, to give, to, to let go of things. So I sowed that car as a seed into her life. And, and, you know, when I looked at the value of the seed that I was sowing, I said to Scott, we need to, we need to claim this seed for debt cancellation. Well, of course, the next morning I wanted to jump up out of bed and there was just going to be like a long lost relative or somebody who, would pay, who had a check for me to pay off my debt. And that didn't happen. Um, and I was, I was disappointed. And if I'm honest, I, there were times when I would think, God, I've sowed this seed and nothing's happening, you know. But we would, we would continue to give, you know, as God brings blessing into your life. I think it's important. I'm like every other woman out there right now. I want new kitchen countertops and I want my master bathroom redone. But as God would bring things into our life, I wouldn't say, well, this isn't enough to pay the debt off. I'm just going to get new countertops. I tried to be faithful with what he gave us. And I'm eternally thankful for the fact that God has blessed me with a husband. He and I both are on the same page where money's concerned. I don't have to worry about him going out and getting in a bunch of debt or he with me. But so at, at the end result of all of this, um, our, our uh, note is to be paid off in 2027. Um, and I paid it off in December. So we're debt free. Ask you a question. The car, was it your tithe or was it an offering? So the the car was an offering. um, And um, early on, my whole life, I've been a tither. And, you know, my sister's sitting here right now, my mother. um, I can remember when I first got out of school and got my first job, uh, talking to my father. And I was just like, wow, look at this paycheck that I get. And I'm going to give 10% of it. And my dad said something to me about tithing. Um, and we tithe off of the gross, and my dad said to me, with that very first paycheck, he said, because um, I wasn't real happy, I wanted to tithe off of the net, I didn't want to tithe off of the gross, um, and he said to me, um, he could see my heart wasn't right, he said, sweetheart, God doesn't want you to tithe anything if your heart isn't into it, um, but from very early on, this is before I even met Scott, and we've done this our whole married life, I learned to tithe, you know, for me, tithing is it opens the door for everything else. And when I look at, and I I know my brother and sister and mother, it's just been our lifestyle our whole life, but we give God the first 10% of everything. And when I look at where we are in our lives 25 years later, I mean, what I used to, uh, my, my income is we tithe more than my original income was uh, because God has blessed us so much. Uh, but then on top of that, of course, as he blesses us, it's not just for us to put on ourself, uh, but it's to give. You know, when you think about it, we were talking with Karen about a, a, a school for children uh, that's a Christian school, and they need things for their gym. Um, you know, we're in the end times, and what's going to win the world is when we are walking in Christians in health, 
you know, that draws people to the Lord. And when we're walking, and when I say wealth, I don't mean, oh, wow, look at that church. They are all off on their yacht doing whatever. No, it's when we have money to give to people to advance the kingdom for him. Amen. Amen. So she said something, and it's in my notes. The tithe is not the law. It's a lifestyle. It's life. Amen. So that's why we got to give because uh, we're, we're changing people's lives with giving. We're not heaping it on ourselves. We, we're changing lives in this community by your giving. I mean, we have a good Samaritan fund uh, where we help the poor. And I was riding around with somebody in Whitfield, and my wife said, uh, I've been places today I haven't been in Whitfield. I said, well, we bought food for that one. We bought food at that house. We helped them pay $50 on their electric bill. I'm pouring out all the houses. I'm like, man, that was three years ago, but I can still remember. You did. I'm just a, car- I'm just a carrier. I'm carrying it and passing out the blessing because of your giving. Glory to God. And so, so that's, that's how we're shaking this, this community, and that's how we're changing the world. And, and it, it takes resources. Do you know Jesus had people that gave to him? The Bible talks about ladies, ladies that took care of him. You know, how many of y'all like going to grandma's house? She's going to take care of you. But these ladies took care of Jesus, bought him food, put lodged him. God, you know, that's what I say. Are you a sender or are you a laborer? Senders believe God for money to send. I'm going to send them some money. I'm going to send them some money. It's all a part of it. Now, here's another thing. You know, Judas, the Bible says that Jesus wouldn't have known Judas was stealing from him if it hadn't been for the Spirit of God. How many of you know if you got a bag of coins and you got just two in there? One's missing. What happened? But he had some cha-ching. You couldn't tell. There's 100 coins in a bag. You can't tell somebody took two because it's in the bag, but it still looks full. Just saying. So just something to think about. Last Last thing that's on us is we need to learn to witness. Witness, witness, witness. So, they did a survey of Christians in church. And they asked them, hey, what's the Great Commission? Do you know what the Great Commission is? So, listen to what? 6% said, I'm not sure. Not sure. I think I've heard that. 25%, 25%, yeah, I've heard it, but I can't remember the exact meaning. 17% said, yes, I know what it means, and it means this. And 51% said, no, I've never heard of that before. 51%. So, Matthew 28. And I'm, they, they, I put them put 19 up there, but I'm going to start at 16. The 11 disciples went away to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed to them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him and some doubted. Then Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. And so I'm giving, I'm releasing my authority on you in verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go make disciples is the great commission of all nations. Go make disciples. How many of you know it's in our vision statement? That's our mission statement, actually. Go make disciples. Real simple. The kids can learn it. Go make disciples. That's our heart. That's our vision. That's why we're adding classes. That's why we're teaching the kids. We want them to be disciples and to make disciples. We want you to become a disciple of Christ. That's our heart's cry. 
And there are some of you who've been serving the Lord for a long time, and you need to be a disciple maker. And you know what? We have people that are here that will help disciple you. And you know what? We think, we think that we're supposed to go get people saved. Yes, we are, but we're supposed to make them disciples. You know, Billy Graham sent a team ahead of him, and he always had thousands of people getting saved. And the guy that was the head of his team was driving to the same stadium he'd been to for the last six years. And he looked, and there's this guy walking, and he stopped. I'm going to witness to him. And the guy got in the car because he's going around all over the country doing this. And the guy got in the car, and he said, man, do you know the Lord? He said, yeah, but I ain't living for him. And he led him in a prayer. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit kind of rocked him, and he goes, man, I picked, I picked you up the last two years, and we've had this same conversation. You're not living for God still. For three years, I picked you up on this same road. He needs discipling. He needs a church to go to. He needs to be involved in that church. Let me say this, too, about when you tithe, you're giving God the first and God blesses the rest. How many of you know when you come to church, it just starts the week off good? How many of you know, man, if you miss church on Sunday, you're like, golly, I just feel weighted down. But when you come to church, you're ready to go. It's like Jesse says, you know, you get so fired up, you're ready to charge hell with a squirt gun. But, but the, the thing about it is coming to church should fire you up and stir you up, and it's just like the same way we're giving, and we need to be making disciples. And that's our whole that's our whole heart is to, is to expand the kingdom of God. God loves his people. God loves people. God is about people. So therefore, we're about people. Be kind, love. God's called us to be about people. And God's empowered us to do it. Go make disciples in all nations. And Acts 1.8, that God will empower you with the Holy Spirit. And we love the benefits of the Holy Spirit. But the, one of the main reasons... It's the power of God for you to be a witness, that you can live the life of God. We need to live the life of God. We need to be talking about God, praying to God, and, and just like that guy got in the car with me, I didn't say nothing about the Lord. But God got on him because God was on me and in me. Amen? Let me pray over you. Father, we thank you for your words today. Thank you, Lord God, that you stir us, that there are seven things, Lord, these simple seven things, Lord God, that will cause us to grow spiritually. Father, help us, Lord God. Strengthen us, Lord God. Holy Spirit, you're our guide, our comfort. You're with us always. Thank you. If you're sitting here today with your head bowed and you've never accepted Jesus as Lord, will you do that? Will you say, just lift your hand and say, pray with me, Pastor? I, I want to I accept this Jesus. I see that hand. Anybody see your hand? Anybody else want to accept this Jesus? He came and died for you. God sent him to die just for you. Doesn't matter about your past. Doesn't matter who you were. Anybody else, just as you are, he says, come. He doesn't say clean up first. He says, just come on. Will you give him your heart? Anybody else? Just a moment. So let's all pray this together. Say, Father, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. 
I believe that he died on the cross. And today it's settled. He's my Lord and Savior. I ask him to come into my life and change me and save me. Father, I thank you for accepting me today as your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at Thanks for listening today. You can keep up with fresh content, find out more about our upcoming events, and give to support Legacy Church all online at LegacyFamily.tv. From all of us here at Legacy Church, have a blessed week.